listening to Rattle and Pedal, diversion thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Your hosts are Jason Malicki and Jeff McKay. So, Jeff, we're talking about Pavlov's dog today, right? Oh, I love Pavlov's dog. sticks, rewards. <laughs> Bell ringing. Yes. Bell ringing. That's exactly what we're talking about today. No, we are not, of course. We're talking about compensation, and you've brought us another great guest. So I'm going to let you introduce David, and then let David, of course, introduce himself. But as I said, we're going to talk about compensation. Well, we're just going to talk about compensation. So so let's-, let's Okay, let me jump in here real quick, because listeners, if you're getting ready to hit click off, stop. Because this is, I'm, I'm a marketer. I'm a sales guy. I'm a managing partner. I don't want to talk about compensation. It's like the most important thing there is. Why would they not want to talk about it? I want to get paid. Well, I think it's incredibly important. We seem to brush on it on a regular basis because we talk about culture and how culture drives performance and an organization cannot really unfetter its performance from the culture that it has because that sets the limiter, if you will, on it. And we had a recent guest on Charlie Green. If you haven't listened to that episode, definitely listen to it. When we were talking about cross-selling and how you create a cross-selling culture, I said, that's it. We're bringing on one of the best compensation gurus I know, and we've done that today. It's David Rhodes. David is a good friend of mine. We worked together at Towers Perrin, where I nursed him along and turned him into a thought leader that he is today. Lies, all lies, David. Ignore the (laughs) lies. Hardly. But anyway, David, after all that long-winded bloviating, as we are known to do, Good morning. Say hello and introduce yourself. Yes, thank you both. Quick introduction is that, yes, compensation is my area of expertise, but I've taken a rather unusual journey to get here. My background includes seven years as a partner at LEK, a strategy consulting firm. I also spent time at Towers Perrin, as Jeff had mentioned. And in addition to that, I started a firm, Three Point Consulting, in 2005. And our firm focuses and specializes in helping organizations align compensation broadly defined with strategy and attracting and retaining the right people. In addition to Three Point, I'm also a co-founder and partner at Fahrenheit Consulting Group, which is a firm which helps organizations grow, and we help assess growth opportunities, develop plans for due diligence, and also do a lot of work in the new product innovation area. So in terms of being a compensation expert, that's a rather unusual series of of experiences that hopefully set me up to help organizations with this gnarly issue of compensation. I think that's a real cool combination. And you've had global experience as well. So when you bring compensation, you open the office for, who was it, SCA? SCA is another firm I've been a partner at and opened their London office in the early 90s. And from that hub in London, worked all across Europe, worked in Hong Kong, worked in Israel, and had an opportunity to work on a very global stage on the topic of compensation which I think also brings into account some of the cultural opportunities to not only align compensation with the business strategy, but also tie it together in a way that is both sensitive to different cultures, different orientations around pay, but also use it as a way of reinforcing a mindset and a strategy that runs across country 
boundaries. Okay, this is going to be fun. Let's get going. I have a level setting question here. And, and you know, as we set this up, Jeff kind of said, you know, out of, out of the three of us, Jason, you probably have the least, you know, working knowledge of compensation strategies. And I would, so can we level set for the audience? Just say, when we say compensation, what do we mean? Do we just mean money? Is that it? Or is it broader than that? Well, I'd love to, to start with a notion of a pyramid, Jason, okay. if we will, because Certainly at the base of the topic of compensation are foundational elements such as base salary, benefits, incentives of some type, bonuses, other kinds of perks. But as we think about moving up the pyramid, those are really the foundation stones. But in the middle of the pyramid are things such as you know working with a great leader, having opportunities to develop professionally having opportunities to to learn and grow, get great feedback and feel like you're really part of something special. And then if you think about the top of the pyramid, which I think the very best organizations live, is it's not only getting the financial aspects right, getting the culture or the mindset right, but then also bringing purpose, mastery and autonomy to the table so that as uh, individuals work in your organization, they actually feel as though there's a greater purpose that it's not just about selling a box or selling a widget, but they actually feel there's sort of a mission-driven focus to the organization. And I think when you get all of those elements working together, really, that's how I would define compensation. And I would also say that different people have different orientations toward money, but particularly at this day and age, money matters a lot, but there's also a lot of other people that will pay people more to go to an organization. What really creates the stickiness or sort of this magnetic benefit of of compensation is when you actually have those higher order elements of total rewards reinforcing and generating the kind of excitement and passion and reason to be in an organization. That makes it harder for someone else to pull you away. So we can talk about, you know, getting salary right. We can talk about getting the incentives right. We can talk about getting the equity right. And those are all really important building blocks. But I would say foundationally, you have to be thinking about those higher order things to really have a have a special compensation system. That's super interesting to me. And what I found interesting about it is that it's organizational and not just individual. So it's like the bottom feels very, yeah, not, not, very, not entirely, but it feels more individual and the top feels more organizational to me. I think that's an interesting observation. Jason, I, I I didn't think about it that way, but it really is that way. And I and also I, when I reason I said that too is I think that you know especially if you're sort of if you're not sophisticated about your thinking here, you probably tend towards the individual side of things. You know, you're, you're focused entirely on are, are we compensating? I say dollars, whatever, whatever yeah. you're paying in Bitcoin, whatever, at a fair market wage. But that's like <laughs> this. I'm holding my fingers up. It's a tiny portion of what we're talking about here, right? And I also think, Jason, if if at the extreme, if an organization focuses on only about the money, only Mm -hmm. about the salary, only about the incentives, only about those tangible elements, it will attract a certain type of person who will be attracted to that. But at the same time, you may find that when a better offer comes along or when things get difficult, if it's only about the money or everyone you have is all about the money, you may find, I think, that you're actually not going to get the full benefit of sort of this more holistic approach to thinking about it. And I think your observation that it's more than just the individual is a really good way of thinking about it because it it is. So saying that, David, I think we're still grounding here. In your view, what is the purpose of compensation then? One, oh, one line, bottom line. Great it. question. I would say one line, bottom line, it's to attract and retain the right people to drive your business strategy. 
And I think of compensation when you do it really well, Jeff, is it's a magnet. And as you know, a magnet attracts, but it also repels. And I think that's the sharp edge that organizations that get compensation have to be thinking about. Because you don't have to attract everyone. You have to attract the right people. It's a little like a business strategy. Because if you go into a business strategy or a marketing strategy and say, we want to attract everyone and be everything for everyone, you're going to be right for no one. But if you have a laser lock on what's magical about your organization, what is your unique value proposition, and take that mindset around business strategy and apply it to rewards and apply it to your talent, you're going to be in a much better position. And it's the same, I think the same principles apply. I have a follow-on question. So I, I love your pyramid analogy, and I actually drew it on a piece of paper as you were talking. I would encourage listeners to do this exercise. If you were starting from scratch, so like if you had a brand new organization, you were building it, do you start at the bottom or do you start at the top? How do you work through this, this foundational model? Does that make sense? Yes. I'll give you a couple of thoughts about how you go about building that, that pyramid. I think one of the things which is not meant to be a throwaway or trite, but actually defining what do you really value and what are the behaviors and cultural elements that are most important. And I would encourage anyone who's thinking about this of not just taking what they see on the, you know, on the wall or what they've heard matters, but actually what do you want to not only talk about, but actually live as a, as a culture. And I would also say that another aspect is to be really clear about, you know, how do you define success? What are the drivers of strategic performance in your business? And what kind of people do you need to be successful? And I would, those are the sort of things that Jason, and I would start with in terms of thinking about populating your pyramid. And there are plenty of things around, you know, working out the mechanics of how you're going to structure salaries or how you're going to align your your bonus and everything else. But I would say, unless you get the values right and the foundational drivers of what is it that's the essence of your value proposition to your customers and what is it that you want to propose to actually provide in terms of unique experience for your employees, when you get those things right, I think that's a, that's a strong foundation for building out a, a compensation system. So David, what I heard you just say, I think, is your compensation system reflects your culture. And is that true in its totality? Or does compensation create or structure a culture? Are there two schools of thought around that? Or is there an absolute answer? I think I think it, it works both ways, Jeff. I mean, I yeah. think when you look, look at organizations and you look at their compensation system, in most cases, the compensation system reflects the culture that has been built out over years. And in my particular work, I get a lot of situation where I'm working with new leaders or new leadership teams who say, look at what we inherited. We don't have the mindset. We don't have the culture. We don't have that right. Could you help us change our compensation system? Because the compensation system is rewarding the previous CEO's wishes and vision. My vision is different. Could you help us rethink that? And so in those cases, I would say that compensation can, in parallel, change a culture, change a mindset. But I think it's risky to say that if you just change your compensation system, that you're going to change the culture. Because if you don't do the other things right and work through it, you could find yourself in a situation where you have a mismatch between the old culture, new compensation system. Generally, culture wins. Ah, so, the, so the old culture rejects the new compensation system. And I think you used the phrase backslide. You backslide. Yes, you could backslide pretty rapidly. So I took us on a left-hand turn right out of the gate and I didn't even think about it. We set this up as rewards. 
And then I just said, hey, let's talk about compensation, right? So is there a difference when we talk about rewards versus compensation? Should we be thinking about those two things differently? Well, I think both can be used. I've seen organizations use total compensation as the definition of the pyramid. I've also seen organizations define total rewards as the overall pyramid. So I think as long as individuals think beyond just the financial elements and think about the non-financial elements of compensation or rewards, I think the two can be used interchangeably. I tend to use total rewards for the overall package because people talk about compensation generally around financial aspects. So that's that's generally the way that I would that I would encourage people to look at it. I also think the benefit of thinking of total rewards is that there are a number of things around great feedback or when you think about, you know, high potentials, well, what drives a high potential? It's getting great, great leadership and great mentorship and great ideas from the people they work with. And, you know, and that actually doesn't have anything to do with compensation, but that is a really important part of, of total rewards. Or I would also say that organizations that are known for growing talent and challenging people is another way that most people wouldn't think of that as compensation. So I think the total rewards envelope is a better thing to, to use in terms of a broader term. That's helpful. As I, I think, you know, the, the HR function to me set up total compensation as just a way to, to wrap a number around everything you're paying for. And every time that that was brought up to me in the last 20 years, that's the thing I would see is like, well, you're, you know, here's the total compensation you're giving someone based on benefits and all, all the like. But at the end of the day, to your point, it's the middle of that pyramid that for a lot of firms is actually where they're probably most successful with, with talent. Oh, oh, hey, you made a big assumption there. I don't know if I agree with that. You don't? Okay. Talk to me. <laughs> Well, some of the best advice I got right out of college when I was working for that Silicon Valley technology company, my boss told me, says, Jeff, in your career, always trade money for knowledge. And I was like, what? But it was really true. It was an opportunity to learn. Well, that's actually, I think we're in agreement. That, that, right. That's the middle of the pyramid. Right. But no, what I'm disagreeing with is I don't think firms do that well and they oh, don't okay. necessarily do it deliberately. Yeah, that's probably true. That deliberate is the key point there. I think it happens a lot. I mean, I think that's why people go into consulting or go into professional services a lot is for exactly that. But to your point, they may not be purposeful about how they deliver it. And then to David's expertise, they may not even be thinking about it in the context of their total reward. They're not really even framing it that way. It just, it just sort of happens and they just don't even think about it as a, as a benefit to people. Well, um, you know, professional services is kind of an apprentice system. So I think they just operate under the assumption that through osmosis, we're going to kind of share knowledge, but I don't know how deliberate it is. David, we're over here yeah. like, bloviating again. <laughs> Why don't you answer? Well, 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 I guess I'll jump in because I, I, I would say one of the techniques that uh, some really well-run professional service firms are using is that they're beginning to think about the notion of apprenticeship and the notion of career development as an important part of rewards. And what I mean by that is if you think about a system, let's just say there's two ways an organization can structure their partnership. One way is to have all partners in one big group and say, you're all owners, we value you all equally. Or you could say, you know, we're so happy you're all here, you're owners in the firm, but we want to be very clear about the expectations we have for partners as you move from being a new partner to being a senior partner. And we want to think about the arc of your career and both what we expect 
and how rewards will be tied to a broad array of contributions. And the reason I'm going into this long dissertation is that I fact, when you actually have both accumulating knowledge, accumulating skills, working with really inspirational partners as a newer partner, and then ultimately as you become a seasoned vet, having the expectation that you will impart knowledge, that you'll take younger partners with you to that challenging client, or that you're actually helping to shepherd relationships with clients, but then bringing in others to turn over the relationship rather than hoarding it for yourself. All of those sort of behaviors and all of those expectations need to be clearly defined. And I think the organizations that get this right actually are able to define expectations and also have the wherewithal to exit individuals who aren't living to those values and actually are demonstrating behaviors that are antithetical to what an organization believes and values and the way it wants to present itself. So I do think knowledge sharing, accumulation, and then sharing it back, Jeff, which is sort of the other side, you know, trade money for knowledge. But as you have become more expert in your career, actually impart knowledge on others and be very forthcoming with it. Don't hoard it for yourself. And, and the key here is if your compensation system rewards senior people for hoarding it, hoarding their clients and not imparting that knowledge, you have a broken system because you're not going to inspire your younger people and you're actually not going to be really doing your clients the best service, which is to bring everything you can bear to a client. And that is a really important part of getting a compensation system right for a professional service firm. Can I go inside that comment real fast? I want to hear you talk about how a compensation system tends to reward that sort of bad behavior. What are some of the things that firms do? Is it over overemphasizing utilization targets? What do they do that just sort of, you know, encourages sort of a knowledge hoarding behavior that, that a lot of firms have, you know, or, or, or have had? Let's take a, a classic traditional law firm. Easy to pick on. And a, a, a partner <laughs> of a law firm. And from when a, a lawyer is a, a young pup associate, everyone talks about billability, billability, billability. As a new lawyer grows in their career and they knock on the door of partnership and become a partner. In addition to billability, it's getting your name on the client. It's being the named responsible party on a client and getting your name tagged on it. And in the extreme, one of the reasons why law firms have this broad proliferation of all these clients is not because necessarily every client is a high value added client. But the systems generally reward lawyers for billability and getting their name on accounts so that when any matter is sold to those accounts, they receive some kind of reward for that or credit for that. Mm -hmm. And I would say that, Jason, an example would be a senior partner who, let's say, is late in their career, has no motivation in the most extreme systems to give away anything. Because if they give, they bring some young partners in. They might, maybe the client will like them more than they like them, or they could actually find that they would lose control of that account. And so for them, holding on to all of their clients until the final day that they check out of the, of the law firm is what maximizes their value to the firm. And so that is a one example at the extreme of actually having a system that doesn't generate any opportunity or any reward for sharing knowledge or sharing clients, that's a system that doesn't really provoke growth. You're listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on growing your professional services firm. 
Your hosts are Jason Malicki, Principal of Rattleback, the marketing agency for professional services firms, and Jeff McKay, former CMO and founder of strategy consultancy, Prudent Pedal. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to Jason and Jeff. Yeah, I love that example. I have, I have a friend who's a senior partner in a law firm, and I remember he said to me one day, basically, he's like, I'm never writing anything ever again. <laughs> he's like, I hate writing, like, you know, thought leadership type stuff. He's like, I'm never doing it ever again. Um, and he's probably the, the the most knowledgeable person in the firm, right? So you basically have that that top tier of individuals saying, I, I really have no interest in sharing my knowledge really outside the firm at all. I don't know about inside. And, and like you said, he's not, he's not rewarded to do it and he doesn't want to do it. So those two things kind of tee up together and, and create a self-fulfilling prophecy of it not happening. So I want to build on your comment, Jason, because you touched on thought leadership and its creation. David, when you put these reward systems in place, You've already alluded to, you know, there's certain behaviors aligned with values. There's certain behaviors aligned with, I'm assuming, revenue management or revenue generation. Jason just talked about thought leadership. What are generally the levers that you try to reward in the programs that you develop that really build and reinforce a culture? And which ones do you try to dis? incentify <laughs> discourage i guess is the word discourage <laughs> culturification wasn't that wasn't that our word from last time uh, inculturation inculturation oh, we like that word <laughs> well I, I guess jeff i would and and every organization has to work through themselves so i wouldn't propose that there's any sort of magic five but you know i think the things that in my experience that for professional service firms to really get the most out of the way they structure total rewards is to be thinking about, in addition to thought leadership and people development and you know great client relationships and revenue generation, collaboration is often a really important element of what really differentiates great professional service firms from not so great. I would put that in. And I would also say that there probably is something that either is described as firm stewardship or putting the firm above your own self-interest. And that could be manifest in a lot of different ways. But those would be four or five elements that certainly go well beyond just, you know, are you billable, right? Because those other things, as you as you advance in your career, really distinguish really strong performers and really strong cultures. Yeah, it's really interesting. As you were talking, I was thinking about another friend of mine who was a successful partner in a law firm who left because she got tired of networking and went corporate counsel client side, basically. And she's like, I just don't want to do that anymore. And I thought it was really interesting. She's super talented and had a ton of you know knowledge on intellectual property. And it's like the firm kind of lost a great person because, like you said, the, the reward system was sort of was was really kind of forcing her to certain billability targets that she was just kind of burned out on. And it's a shame that the firm didn't have a way to to retain that. Now, maybe they don't. They didn't want to. I'm porting my my opinions on how they should be thinking about their business. But it's just interesting that that you get the sense that they probably lost a really great resource because they didn't have a way to, to retain her. Well, Jason, if you go back to the comment we were talking about earlier about thinking yeah. about 
a progression, almost a career level system in a, in a well-run professional service firm. And let's yeah. take that individual who sounded like a really, really productive attorney in a firm that someone must have said, all of our partners need to go out and sell business, develop relationships. One possible issue could have been that if you have a one size fits all approach mm. that we expect everyone to do the same thing, to move on the same trajectory and to generate the same revenue. I think you're missing something because I think you, if you believe that building on people's strengths is probably a better strategy, maybe a different way to think about that attorney would have been that you find some way for that individual to demonstrate how they can contribute the value to the firm and do what they do really, really well, rather than asking them to do something that they're just, they're not wired that way. Not that they're bad with their own clients, but maybe they don't want to go out and find any more. The only caveat though, is the organization has to be disciplined about defining what do we value, how valuable is a person like this? Is a person who has these other things they do equally as valuable as a big rainmaker, or maybe one click below? I think being very clear in their minds about and I don't want to use the word tolerate, but actually sort of celebrate the strengths of partners in different areas just as well as long as you believe the value is consistent with what you're paying them. Um, because you wouldn't want to get into a situation where you have someone who says, I don't want to sell. I'm just going to sit in my office and build work. You may not be able to pay that person very much. But if in your particular example, that attorney is developing new approaches or let's say is a magnet for great lawyers coming to the firm, I would say that could be a way of bestowing equally as much value as you do a rainmaker, but you just have to be able to recognize and reward different kinds of contributions if you actually believe that you want to have different types of people to generate the right culture and the right performance. Yeah, no, that's really valuable. It's for, for a while I've been saying that I feel like firms overvalue the rainmaker, the this this like magical person who, you know, has all these relationships and moves and shakes and does deals and undervalues what I call the knowledge maker, which is the one that basically maybe, you know, invents new ways of looking at the world, sees better, you know, build, builds compelling points of view, because that's what creates future demand. Where Whereas the other one is more kind of like sort of narrow, right? Well, one of the things I'll give you as an example, I won't name the firm, but this was a few years ago. And as that organization wanted to just completely, it was a carve out from a, uh, another entity. And so there was a professional service firm that wanted to completely reinvent their compensation system as they were reinventing their culture. And one of the things that we did in that particular instance is gave sort of honored and gave value to the experts. Now, these were the partners who were really deep in whether it would be a tax issue or estate planning issue or whatever they were, but they weren't the kinds of people that were sort of going to have a ring of people around them at the cocktail party. But we wanted to honor what they brought because the firm believed that that was so critical to their success that we developed a way of providing sort of technology or knowledge credits when those folks were either involved in the sale of business or were involved in the generation of deepening client relationships. And that crediting approach ran in parallel to their sales crediting. And what it said is, we honor both. We honor the rainmaker who's out making the rain, finding the clients, but we also want to have people of substance. And if you're an expert of deep substance, we want to value you and honor you in the same way that we honor the rainmaker 
Because if you actually don't celebrate knowledge and innovation and pushing the envelope, you're not going to get as much of it as you need. So that was a unique way that they came up with of actually making sure that the deep expertise was actually honored in that organization. And they didn't over-index on the big rainmaker because the big rainmaker is only as successful as the deep expertise that they can bring to the table when they get that amazing client to say, can you come and tell me your story? Yeah, I heard a story once from a firm. It was an architecture firm and they tried to bring in, this woman told me, she's like, she decided one day she wanted to partner with I can't think of his name, the the guy who does all the the, the steel buildings, you know, like the Bilbao and like really kind of, for whatever reason, she decides she wants to partner with this guy. So she calls the firm and says, I'm going to partner with you. And of course, she basically gets on the phone with, with a gatekeeper who says, well, here's how the process works. You submit a request. We look at the requests month to month and we pick one out of the, you know, 7,000 we get. The reason I tell the story is I always think about that. It's like, you know, what does the rainmaker in that firm's compensation model look like? It probably should be near zero, right? They don't have to do anything. You know, They just show up and answer the phone. Jeff, we are probably running a little short on time, but what did we not cover that you talked about in the setup that you want to get to? I'd like to know. David, continuing down this path, what do firms get right or, I guess, inversely wrong when it comes to compensation? What are some of the common mistakes or differentiators if you get this right in firm? Well, I'll put this in the positive in terms of firms that get this right. I think firms that get this broad total rewards right start with asking the question, what kind of behaviors, what sort of mindset, and what's most important from a business perspective? And how do we align everything we do from the kinds of people we hire to the way we position our salaries to the way we generate rewards and provide ownership to individuals is to be anchoring everything in what is the business strategy? What are the drivers of economics of your business? What's special about what you provide to your customers? What is the ultimate magic value proposition that'll make you successful in the product and service market? And then back up and say, how do we align our compensation system with that? And I think that has to be the starting point. I think the other thing that I would say is I think that If organizations look at the money side as something that becomes too reactive or feels as though that you always have to be putting another spiff in place for your sales team, or you don't want to get your salespeople upset, they always have to make more than last year, or you're always afraid to raise your quota, even if you've made a huge investment in your product or your services, and that those product or services are far more valuable than before, you've created a system that you become almost hostage to your compensation system and your compensation system can slow down your growth. The better way to get that right is to have a deep resolve that your compensation system needs to be built on the solid foundation. And I think you also need to be consistent over time to make sure that you're reinforcing the right behaviors. And also don't be afraid of having a candidate that is looking for something different. Don't try to buy them out or buy them into your culture. If you present your case and you present your comp system and they say, that's not what I'm looking for, I think it's a real danger sign if you always bend over backwards to try to bring in everybody because it's better if you bring in people that are so excited about your culture, about your growth opportunity and your values 
that's what you want them signing up for. You don't want to actually have to overpay people to bring people in to a place they probably aren't best suited for. So if I'm a managing partner and I'm looking at my firm, I suspect some people will be beating themselves up. Others will be patting themselves on the on the back. How do I know if I've got compensation and rewards right? What does a firm look like or how do they perform if they get this right? If a firm gets the compensation right, I think there's a couple things that firms need to be thinking about. And one is to have an eye on really what is competitive market practice? What is it that as you think about both the financial aspects of your compensation system, including salary, bonus, benefits, and equity or ownership when it's applicable, I think every firm needs to understand how does the amount of resources that we're paying our people square with what the competition is paying? And then being able to step back and say, okay, just matching the competition may or may not be good enough. Where do we want to put our money? You know, where do we want to invest more? Where do we want to be different? And that might either be in terms of growth opportunities Or maybe it's in terms of having just amazing people that everyone wants to work with these amazing knowledge leaders. But I think you need to understand where your resources are going, how you compare to the competition. But then, as I said, don't just try to mimic the competition. Try to be distinct. And just as in a business strategy, be notable and be different and have a point of view about why your system is different and what makes it special. And don't be afraid of that and get everyone on the same page. Everyone needs to understand why you do what you do. And I think one of the greatest problems that organizations run into is if the salary adjustment or the salary budgeting process or even the hiring process is always a constant negotiation. And if all of your managers feel that, why aren't we paying more? Or if I can only pay my team more, everything would be great. You're missing the boat because as long as as you're competitive, I would say that you need to wrap the higher order elements of the pyramid and do a really good job in those because that's the way that you retain and attract people. Very few organizations buy people out with a lousy culture and a lousy development system by paying people more and more. It just doesn't work. You know, it's so funny about this whole conversation. If you replace the word compensation with marketing, and employees or yeah. people with clients, they're identical in terms of the language and the outcomes and how you look at performance. I just find that fascinating. As, as you were talking, I'm like, yeah, that's true of marketing. Yeah, that's true of the marketing strategies we do. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true of brand. That's true of how you build reputation. That's how uh, it's just fascinating. And that's why I wanted to have you on today, David, is compensation culture, and particularly a growth culture or healthy culture, they're inextricably linked, you know, with compensation and rewards and how all of this stuff comes together in a professional services firms because of the product being people. (laughs) And we're in a matrix, right? So it's just like, I think it's fascinating. And I'm so glad that you came on today. I really appreciate it. Just to be clear, we're not in the matrix. We're in a matrix, right? A matrix. A <laughs> matrix. Those professional <laughs> services people know that. David, where can people find you? People can find us at www.3point-consulting.com is the website. And love to hear from anyone who has any further questions. This has been a really great opportunity to uh, talk to both of you. And I think, you know, drawing this connection between doing compensation well 
and a strong marketing strategy and business strategy is sort of the essence of really what this is all about. And I think that organizations that think about that are well on their way because the old-fashioned way of thinking about compensation is just something that the HR group does is really out of date. And it's really yeah. going to impede organizations' ability to grow and thrive and attract amazing people if you don't have this all working well. I, I agree 100%. And, and it was really insightful. I really enjoyed the dialogue. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your expertise with us and, and our listeners. It was really, really great. Great. Thank you both. Thanks, David. All right. So it's not just Pavlov's dog, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what a All great right. wrap up. See you, buddy. See ya. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Find content related to this episode at rattleandpedal.com. Rattle and Pedal is also available on iTunes and Stitcher.